Yeah, let's bow our hearts and our minds again just to open this up. Lord, I just praise you for your word. As Pastor Steve says that each Sunday, I can't thank you enough for your word, Lord, what you've given us as our guide. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray that tonight my brothers and sisters will be blessed with your word. Let it not be my words, but yours. Lord, transform our hearts and lives, lives through this. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, events are stressful. Who agrees? Planning events, big activities, times where we have to organize things. I think about stuff like the U-turn graduation. I think about stuff like birthday parties at the beach that seem like it's going to be, you know, all relaxed and laid back and we're going to be okay until somebody forgets the, um, the lighter for the candle, right? <laughs> Who had the lighter? Who was supposed to plan that out, right? You think about all the little things, the hinges that move the big doors to make things happen. It's stressful. I remember growing up, that's like helping my mom and my family plan things out and seeing my mom's eyes when we forgot the smallest thing or forgot a bunch of things. We're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And it's especially difficult for those who are responsible for carrying a lot of the weight right, of the activity, of the event, of what's going to happen. Right? It's especially difficult for people who are asked to provide for those the things that are going to be at the event, okay? Think about that as you ponder U-turn graduations, as you ponder Christmas, you know, uh, events that we have at the church, as you ponder even in your own lives things that you've had to put on, things that you have prepared. When something runs out and you're hoping it would be there, (laughs) you start to freak out a little bit. So as we go into this chapter, it says in verse 1, we're going to go 1 through 11 tonight, Verse 1 says, On the third day there was a wedding, a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So I was talking about events, but weddings are pretty important things. A pretty important event in a person's life. And we see here, uh, Mary was a part of that in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't say she was necessarily invited to the wedding, but she was there. Uh, We could suggest that maybe, in fact, this might have been a family member might have been closely related uh, to Mary or a close family friend. And if that's the case, and we see that here, then it is a sheer possibility that Mary could have been asked to do and hold some of the weight of responsibility of carrying things, right, there. She might have even been closely uh, connected to and providing some of the materials from the governor of the feast or the table master, right, that we're going to read later on in the story. Anybody know what... A table master, a toast master, person of that time might do. Just raise your hand. Just by raising. Okay, not many people. Okay, so I'm going to clear it up. A toast master might have been the person who's carrying out the verbal uh, wordage of the ceremony. They might be the person who's speaking and talking about, right? The table master, the governor of the feast, would be the one that would check out and make sure everything's good. Kind of like that uh, wedding planner. You know, they want to make sure the, the furniture's there, the light's there. They want to make sure everything's planned out accordingly, taste the food, taste the wine, make sure everything's good and where it needs to be in place. But they might also be connected to family members. You ever done that? Maybe in a wedding before where there's a wedding planner, but you're asked to play some part in being a part of the event. So I'm just arguing here the possibility of Mary's connection to this, maybe even close connection. 
okay? And so we read here in verse two, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Who is there but Jesus and his disciples? And I want to highlight that because they decided to attend. They decided, they, they had a choice. They didn't have to. And specifically in the part of Jesus's ministry, where he's now started, fresh into his ministry, about three and a half years until he's going to have to sacrifice himself. And he says, hey, I think I'll attend a wedding, right? (laughs) I mean, he chooses to attend this ceremony despite maybe the busyness of the person who's going to save this world schedule, (laughs) right? He decides to attend the ceremony. And I think all for the right reasons, because what does a wedding signify? Commitment, unity, right? It's a covenant faithfulness. It's a covenant relationship between one man, one woman. I think we see all throughout scripture how it's a lens that God chooses to reach his people so that we can understand our relationship with him, right? A wedding signifies all these things, and we see it all throughout the Old and New Testament. I had some scriptures to lay it out as proof, but I know we don't have a lot of time. So I wanted to make sure I just laid that out for you. It's to help us really understand our relationship with God. And we're going to see that even in here. I think another important thing, and again, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here. I think there is a lot that's packed in here, is that now Jesus attending this wedding is so significant because of another thing. Jesus really values relationship. Jesus really values community. He values not only to, remember we see and have read in scripture, to have some alone time with God in the morning, but we also have to get out there and we have to have community, we have to have fellowship, not only with each other, but with those around us. It's so important. If you, guys, if you want to experience Jesus, it comes by doing life with others. Even Proverbs said, says that, right? He who isolates himself is not wise. You've got to get out there. The shepherd is with his sheep. And if you want to see Jesus, you've got to go where he would go. Right? Sometimes we isolate, we hold ourselves and stay to ourselves all too much, I think, in this generation. Now, before I go on to the next verse, I wanted to highlight one big, big thing. So give me, give me your real attention. If you don't get anything else out of this, I want you to get two big things. The significance of this wedding. Believe me, you guys, Stand true on what I'm saying here, you guys, that there, it's not under coincidence, you know, that this wedding happens to be recorded as the first miracle laid out by John in this book, right? Because as I kind of told you before, the importance of weddings to God. There's a significance of this, right? The first part of the wedding is happening. And you might be like, how do you know, Chauncey? How do you know? That it just says the disciple, Jesus went with his disciples, they're invited to the wedding, and they were there. We're going to read on through this chapter that there are water pots involved. And typically, when water pots are involved, remember there's two parts, you might already know this, there's two parts to a traditional Jewish wedding. One is the ceremony of the betrothal, right? So, first, there's a terms of agreement that's given to the potential bride, they have to accept. And then there's a celebration, an engagement, a betrothal to where the bride is in cleanse and in preparation for the groom. This, with, as we see with the water pots, is the betrothal period, the first celebration that the disciples and Jesus are going to. 
which is so, so cool because not only is the miracle going to take place at this betrothal period, but we see that the, Jesus and his disciples are, are attending at this point in time at the time of humanity is also the time of betrothal, right? The time where he's going to give himself, sacrifice himself, and sanctify us and all generations, right, unto himself. Does that make sense? I, I hope I didn't butcher that too much. Again, the time that Jesus is in here at this wedding is also the time that all humanity right, is experiencing a betrothal period, right, where he's going to take them as his own. He's going to sacrifice his blood, and the sanctification of us will occur. So, it was also a time that Mary might have been very familiar with. Remember Mary? We were talking about her and maybe her situation and connection to this wedding. Mary might have been familiar with the betrothal ceremony in the period. Because when did the angel show up to Mary in Luke 1? After her betrothal, right? It was after the engagement ceremony when her and her husband were apart. The angel showed up to her, right? And then from then on, might have heard some whispers, might have heard some shame, might have heard some, man, she, it might have even been at this point, if there were close family members, does Mary even belong here? Like, does she even really get what betrothal was all about? <laughs> you know, why is she at this wedding? Right, so as we look in verse 3, it says, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, that's Mary, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And I just want to remind us here, again, of Mary's situation. It could have very well been close connection of family. And as we know, in family, when you attend events, sometimes some whispers goes around. Oh, you remember that one? Or he's the, he's the drunk, or this is the crazy one, or this is the wild, right? This is the one we need to stay away from. Can you imagine the murmuring and the stories and the talk of Mary's situation and her, you know, um, maybe shame, guilt, uh, whispers around regarding Mary. Does she really belong here? Is this something that she's even worthy of taking part in? And so Mary's connection to this is important because then she comes to Jesus, right? She comes to Jesus saying, they have no wine. They're expecting this celebration, and not having wine at a celebration really is a letdown, right? Not having wine at this celebration because it's such an awesome opportunity to rejoice and celebrate. That's a key thing for wine in this time period. It's such a rejoicing tool um, for parties and big events and everyday use, right, as well. But if it's out, then the party could be seen as a disgrace. Mary knows it's out. She's coming to Jesus and not only that, but she's maybe battling with a lot of turmoil and stuff that she's got going on. Everybody here, most of the people here, whatever way you want to take it, um, you know, could have been shaming her for a long time. And if I were Mary, I'd look at this as an opportunity. I'd say, hey, hey, wait a minute, Jesus is here? He's got a following now? Right? He's known? This could be it. This could be the time where I can clear my name. And Jesus tells her and pierces through the heart of her intentions and says, now is not the time. This is, my time has not yet come. I'm not here to clear your name, Mary. I'm here for a greater purpose. 
Right? And I think sometimes we need that maybe in our lives as like a heart check. Right? Because what does Mary do here but submits to whatever plan Jesus has? She says to those who would never be recognized, they were the servants, lowliest of the lowly, to follow what Jesus says. So Jesus is staying behind closed doors here and helping out the servants, the lowliest of the lowly, right? And so Mary submits to whatever plan Jesus has. And I think in that moment, Mary might have gotten shaken. I personally believe, and I don't know if this happens for you, but I think in our Christian walk, sometimes, you know, the very first day that we believed to now, we can get a little more calloused in our walk. We can begin to maybe murmur and complain a little bit more and kind of say like, you know, make it all about us in our walk. And I think it was really, really important for us to see here that Mary might have got a heart check because he corrected her. He said woman, right? And that's not a term of abuse. That's a term of really gentle correction and rebuke. And she takes it, you know, she takes it. She takes the rebuke. And I think it's important for us to see in those moments that, man, maybe for her, she might have gotten rocked. Like, man, man, do I, why didn't I think back to day one when the angel appeared to me and I was selected for this? Like, wow, taking me back to my first love. Maybe sometimes we got to go back to our moment when we first met Jesus and let go of the callousness of the situations that maybe we want Jesus to fix in our lives right now because maybe he's telling you, maybe someone tonight, now is not my time. My time's not yet come. He knew when his time would come, right? Later on, later on, he would say, my time has come for him to sacrifice himself. But Mary wanted something else. And so he said, nope, nope, not tonight, Mary. This is not my hour. This is not my time. I also wanted to highlight in there that a lot of people might um, twist this, right? Pastor Steve talked about last Sunday about how we begin to rely on certain uh, people, religions, uh, con- turning people into our deities, right? And so oftentimes we'll elevate, specifically in Catholicism, we'll elevate Mary. And I just want to point out here how important it is, because they use this verse at times. See, Jesus did what Mary said, right? But really it's the opposite. Mary submitted to what Jesus was letting her know to do and allowed him to carry out his works to the servants, right? Um, Another thing you can use as a support to that is Luke 11. And remember in Luke chapter 11, the woman in the crowd um, said, blessed is the womb from where you came from, right? Talking to Jesus and and the, the breast from which you nursed. And Jesus said, more than that, more than that, blessed is the one who hears the word of God and, and does what it says, seeks after the word of God, right? So it's more than Mary, okay? I want us to know that. Don't elevate her to Jesus. Let's continue on here. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And this is where I want to camp out quite a bit. Um, maybe spent too long of a time there in three and four, but I really, really wanted to remind us, you know, the six water pots, again, this was, a process of Jewish tradition which would often find itself under the shadow of Jewish law. And so we could, we could quickly assume there, we could look at and say six water pots, you know, symbolism of incompletion as the number six is. And as this would be considered a time of cleansing 
of the bride, you know, that, you know, it's not complete. It's not a complete cleansing. But what I want to remind us of is how Jesus is the complete cleansing, right? What's so cool, what I was saying before, he's come here in this time period, in this moment, to show his completion, to do this miracle, right? And he's the completion. Like we see that in Colossians 2. Jesus is, we're complete in him, right? And so I just think that's awesome for us to, to kind of marinate and think about. Um, he's the fulfillment of the law. Another thing that I see here, you guys, is um, the filling up of these pots, Anybody have to, even like a five-gallon water bucket you get from Menahuni water, you know how long that would take to fill up. It takes a while. I'd had to do it a couple times <laughs> for our house. It takes a while. But these guys, you know, these servants would have to go. They have to go and fill up 20 to 30 gallons and carry it back over and fill it up. Not an easy job. But I don't see any murmuring and complaining here. I see that they followed after what Jesus said, and they did the job, and they obeyed. And they didn't only obey, they did it to the brim. They did it to the top. They did it to the best of their abilities. I just want to encourage that as a word for us tonight. Like, do we do that? Do we do that to the best of our abilities? Do we serve the Lord in knowing what he has for us to the best of our abilities? Maybe you're like, Chauncey, I don't know what Lord has for me right now. I'm not really sure what God has called me to do. I'm here on vacation. I'm trying to take a break. Or I'm, you know, busy with whatever. Or I've been seeking and searching and he hasn't really said anything. I want to encourage you. Do the last thing he asked you to do. What's the last thing the Lord asked you to do? How did he ask you to be faithful? Right? And respond to that. To the best of your ability as these servants, the lowliest of the lowliest, responded. Oftentimes, I think, we don't give Jesus the brim. We give him the skim. Okay? We don't give Jesus the brim. You know where the skim is? The skim is that milk from the cow. I've been researching this maybe too much. Okay? It's the milk from the cow that separates, and you just get that that little glop layer above at the top that really is kind of like the bottom, but it floats to the top. And then what they do is they skim it, put it, and then that's what people drink, you know? But oftentimes, I think we as believers can give Jesus the skim. <laughs> we just give him the, the little leftovers or we, we just fill our day with whatever we want to. And we just give him a little bit of the day. Right? It's a challenge to us. Do we give him all of us or do we give him the skim? Do we give him the brim or do we give him the skim? These servants here are an example of complete and utter You had to be listening to get that one. Complete and utter trust and obedience to Jesus. Being being willing to serve him even to the point of serving well water to this master of the feast. This person was going to drink this stuff. But they said, they, they said, okay, they took it. Interesting thing to point out here, you guys. That word, they took it, also the same kind of phrasing used in Mark 15, 22, and they brought him to a place, Golgotha, the place of the skull, right, where they brought Jesus to be sacrificed. That same kind of phrasing is used there, all to point out, hey, listen, God can do amazing things whether we are in submission to him or not, but I think I'd rather be on the right side of the fence here <laughs> and do what he's asking me to do, right? I want to encourage us to do that too. But interesting to think about, that kind of phrasing was the same kind of phrasing that brought Jesus to sacrifice himself, just like this ceremony here. 
Guys, I want to point out a little bit, just a quick um, three S's of ingredients that I see important here. If we want to see Jesus work, we need to know to seek him, to submit to him, and to serve him, right? We need to know, like Mary sought him out. These servants sought him out as Mary asked them to. Mary submitted to his will. These servants submitted to what was asked of them, and they served it out to full completion, to above and beyond what Jesus was asking for. Are we doing that? Let's close it out with these uh, last few verses. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man in the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, uh, then the inferior... You have kept the good wine until now. Guys, when we, whew, when we seek Jesus, when we submit to him, and when we serve him, we end up blessing him and those around us. Others will taste and truly taste and see that the Lord is good. And we have the pleasure, pleasure of just watching the blessing unfold. Ultimately, this strengthens our belief, you guys. When we watch it unfold, it strengthens our belief. And our bridegroom, Jesus, gets the glory, right? The bigger picture I want us to gather through here, guys, is not only was this just a wedding feast and a miracle to be done at this wedding, but this is a picture of our sanctification. This is a picture of how he turns us into good wine. A picture of how he gives us joy through the transforming work that he does in our lives. Ultimately, what happened at the end of this? The master was pleased, just as God was pleased with the sacrifice and the transforming blood of Jesus into our lives. Right, so verse 11 closes out with this. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Guys, I just want to encourage us that this is the beginning of his work, this is the beginning of our work here now as we're going through these Gospels, as going through the Gospels, and this is also the beginning of what's happening on this side of eternity, right? Like, we're just changing address when we die, right? We're going to be in heaven, in communion with the Father. It's only the beginning. I love the part at the end there where it says his disciples believed in him after seeing this. Guys, it's such an honor and a joy and a blessing to just walk with Jesus and watch him unfold, you know, a miracle after miracle in our lives and the other people's lives around us. So just remember, when we choose to be at the front of the, of the pack, rather than just serving him and doing what he says, oftentimes he'll set us back and remind us, hey, are you serving me? Are you seeking me? Are you submitting to me? And that's what I want to encourage us tonight, you guys, as a body of believers, just to remember that Jesus comes first. Let him do the miracle tonight, right? Seek him tonight. Submit to him. Serve him. Listen to him, most importantly, tonight. Um, and we're going to do that through some more of uh, worship and, and prayer. So let me just pray for us as we bow our heads and our hearts, Lord. Could have went a lot of different directions with this wedding feast, Father, but um, I just see you, Jesus, wrapped up in it. So I thank you that uh, not only was this a wedding feast, but thank you that this is our story. 
arbitral, though, our engagement period that you sacrificed yourself for our sanctification. Bless my brothers and sisters tonight as we continue to seek you, to serve you, and submit to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.